Well, it's so good to see the kids back uh, in the main hall. And, uh, you know, we continue to just journey. It's been such a strange journey, but we continue to journey um, back to some sense of normality um, and, and just taking in what God has done during this time. Um, but just loving seeing kids back and, and a number of things starting up again. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing in coming uh, months is starting up some of our outreaches again that have been on pause for what feels like a very long time. And uh, let's just be prayerful and mindful of, God, what is it you want us to do in this season? How do you want us to um, just reach out to the community with love and with a gospel in this season? And so uh, we're just so thankful for all God is doing and thankful that you, um, each and every single one of you, are a part of it. Well, we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. And we're beginning a brand new series uh, that's entitled Wisdom for Life. Wisdom for Life. If you're uh, taking notes, we're going to be in this series for um, a number of weeks. There's a number of things that I want to share to you from God's Word. And essentially, we're looking at, over these next six, seven weeks, we'll see how long it lasts, handling what life throws at us. Life throws so many different situations, circumstances at us, and we're going to look at how do we live life in success in each of those different areas. So we're going to look at everyday situations like how to handle conflict. In any sense of a word, you will at one time or another have to handle conflict. How do we as God's people, using God's wisdom, handle conflict? How do we handle disappointment? When life throws us a whole bunch of disappointment, when things didn't turn out the way that we thought they might. How do we handle, with God's wisdom, disappointment? How do we handle our finances? How do we handle temptation? So many different things. And the aim is, in this series, that this wouldn't just be a Sunday morning message for a moment and we get on with our life. But actually, we pray that you would actually take what we're looking at in this series, maybe use it in connect groups or in uh, small groups that you're involved in, or maybe just take the verses. We're going to be sending out verses uh, during the week as part of this series that you can take those verses and begin to implement them into your life. Because one of the main aims of this series is that we would, each and every single one of us, fall more in love with the Word of God. That it really would become our daily bread. Let me make it clear. In this series, when we're talking about wisdom, we're not sourcing wisdom from the mind of Steve Carey. You'll be very pleased about that. We're not going there for wisdom. We're not going to some um, self-help book or some self-development book. We're going to the source of all wisdom, which is the Word of God. We live in a generation, don't we, that is flooded, the bookshelves are flooded with self-help books. You walk into water self-development, seven ways to do this, 18 ways to do this, 6.5 ways to lose weight, eight ways to get your perfect job. We live in a generation that is seeking wisdom. Otherwise, these books wouldn't be bestsellers. We're seeking wisdom, yet so often we're seeking that wisdom in all the wrong places. We're turning our eyes in this series to the right place to source that wisdom. And I pray that one of the outcomes of this series is that wherever you're at with the Bible right now, you would want more of a Bible in your life. Not because you feel like you should, oh, I'm a Christian, therefore I should read the Bible to be a good Christian, to tick that box. Now, I pray that you would realize that God has something to say to you through his word. That the Bible not only tells us who our creator is, who our savior is, it not only points the way to Jesus, it not only tells us um, how uh, we can live in a truthful age, in an age that's been labeled as post-truth, it not only tells us who we now are in Christ as believers, it not only tells us all of God's promises over our life, it not only strengthens us, but actually 
it also gives us wisdom to navigate through every single circumstance of life. The Bible teaches us how to live wisely and well. You see, God, who himself is wisdom, has placed all of his wisdom in the 66 books of the Bible, so we don't need to work out how to handle aspects of life in our own strength. We don't need to turn to self-help books and self-development books, though not all those things are wrong. I'm not saying, you know, throw all those things out. There's some good stuff in there. But what I'm saying is we can turn to the source of wisdom himself because the God of all wisdom has placed his wisdom in our hands. So we're going to be looking at different aspects throughout this series. I'm excited about what God's going to do. But before we head there, I wanted to take this week to just kind of intro what we're looking at, to just take a step back and actually look at our relationship with the Word of God. Because we could just plow on straight ahead. This is what God's Word says about this. This is what God's Word says about that. But actually, if we don't know the Word of God, if we don't actually delight in the Word of God, if we have no interest in the Word of God, then the whole series is pretty pointless if we're not actually going to take time to read the Word of God. And so I'm hopeful that we're going to be in a place where this series builds appetite within you for God's Word in your life. See, the reality is in, in a room this size with this many people, there's probably many, many, I'm not going to pass the microphone around, you're all right, but there's probably many different relationships that we have for Word of God. Some of you, maybe you're a brand new Christian, maybe you're not even yet a Christian, you just find yourself here, and so for you, you don't own a Bible. For you, the Bible comes up on the screen on a Sunday morning. You don't own one. If that's you and you're in that category, I want to really encourage you, speak to us after the service. We want to place a Bible in your hands. Maybe you're somebody who you just don't feel the need to have a Bible. You think, okay, well, Sunday is the limit um, to where I'm at in my walk with God. I don't really want to, to explore beyond that on a, on a Monday to Saturday, so you don't own a Bible. For others of you, you do own a Bible, but if I was to say to you, where is it, you have no clue. It's like somewhere on some bookshelf, somewhere on the, you know, on, on the top floor or whatever it is, or in the bookshelf, on, in the lounge, or whatever it is, you know you've got a Bible, Maybe you were given it to you as a young person, but you have no clue where your Bible is right now. For some of you, you know where your Bible is, and you see it, and you keep thinking, one day I'm really going to read that. One day when life's less busy and life's less hectic, all the jokes that we've conned ourselves into believing, it's one day going to be less busy, I'm actually going to read that and really get into that because I hear there's lots of good stuff within it. For some people, if you're honest... You've got a Bible, you read the Bible, but you really struggle with it. And you think, I, I struggle with this. I struggle with this in the Old Testament. I grapple with it. I don't understand how this all joins up. It, it doesn't make sense to me. For some, you may find bits boring. For some, you may find bits that just overwhelm you. And so you desire the Word of God, but you don't know how to handle the Word of God. For others of you, you read it, but you read it religiously. If I was to say, when do you, oh, I read the Bible every day, but actually it's not making a scrap of difference to your life because you read it because you feel you have to rather than because you want to. And for others of you, you've got the Word of God, you read it, you live it, and it makes a daily difference to your life. I, I wonder where you find yourself on that scale. I wonder where, well, as I was saying those words, you said, that's me, or that's me, I'll place myself there, I'll place myself there. And I don't say any of that to bring condemnation or to make you feel bad. My desire as a pastor is that we wouldn't dismiss the word of God out of hand, neither would we get to a place where we read it because we feel we have to because there's no life within that. That's just dry religion. But that we would have a desire knowing that God wants to speak to us. 
You see, within the pages of the Bible, God wants to talk to you about so much. God has so much wisdom for you. you you'll find within the pages of God's Bible, God wants to talk to you about your health. God wants to talk to you about um, how to deal with that irritating boss at work. I know none of you have got one of those, but how to deal with that irritating boss at work. How to deal with that difficult neighbor. Again, none of you have ever had one of those, but how to deal with that difficult neighbor. God wants to talk to you about anger. God wants to talk to you about your sex life. I know that, that many people think that the word sex is you know, banned from... God wants to talk to you about your sex life. God wants to talk to you about your career. God wants to talk to you about power. God wants to talk to you about how you respond to the poor and how you treat them. God wants to talk to you about friendships and family, money, addictions. This is God's word to us. There's so much that he wants to communicate to us. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. If you've got your Bible with you, if not, it will come up on the screen behind me. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. These are well-known verses, but I want to read them from a Passion translation that you may be have never read uh, these verses from before. It says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture, for it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives to you. The Bible is God-breathed. The Bible is God-authored. Uh, and sometimes I think we, we step back and we don't realize how incredible that is, the magnitude of that phrase, that the Bible is God-breathed, yet we so often don't get much out of it. Why? Because unless we read the Word of God, unless we apply the Word of God, then it actually can't do a whole lot for you. And so if you talk to many Christians, and maybe this is you, you know that really you should read the Bible. You know that people have said it's good for you and you kind of want to, but you don't make it a priority in your life. Maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. And I think maybe if we focus less on the what, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, and we actually looked at the why, then desire would grow within us. Let me explain what I mean by that. But if I said to you this morning, listen, how many people here want to be prosperous? How many people want to be successful? Whatever that means to you, whatever those two words mean to you. Pretty much every single person here would say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Because no one wants to fail at life, right? Show me your hand if you want to fail at life. Okay, I thought so. See, we want to be successful. We want to be prosperous. We want to do things well. We want to be in strength. That's why so many self-development books and so many self-help books are flying off the shelves. And so we want to do well. And the Bible says this of itself, that if we read the Word of God, then our relationship with God will grow and we will be successful and prosperous in all that we do. In other words, we'll have a successful marriage. In other words, we'll have a strong career. We'll be the parent God needs us to be. We'll be the friend God needs us to be. We'll be emotionally strong. When you talk about success and prospering, people think, oh, that's just fine. No, no, it's not just finances. It's about being in strength and wholeness in every single area of who you are. That's a big claim for the Bible to make. Now, let's read this verse. Again, just laying the foundation for what we're looking at in this series. Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua 1 verse 8. And we're going to end, look at the end of it first before we go to the beginning. This is what the end of Joshua 1 verse 8 says. Then you will be prosperous 
and successful. Now, if you took that line just as its own, you'd be like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be prosperous and successful? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let's back up a bit. It says this, do not let this book of the law, which in that moment would have been the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses, specifically Deuteronomy when it talks about the law. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written within it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So in speaking to Joshua, God highlights three things which I believe are relevant to us today as we grapple with the Word of God, as we take the Word of God and we now know that we don't just have a law but we have a life-giving spirit. As we look at the Word of God, we, I want to look at these things that the Bible says can produce in our life and look at them in this moment. I want to make this practical for us today because I want us to be practical with the Word of God. So the first thing it says this is this. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Don't let the Word of God depart from your mouth. In other words, be found speaking the word of God. Do you know that your words are so important? Mark said recently as we were praying, every word that we speak is a seed and it will yield a harvest. No matter what it is, we need to understand that every word carries power. There is death and life in the power of atonement, the Bible says. And, and so we need to be found speaking the words of God. Now why is this important? Because Jesus said this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can pretend to be a whole lot of stuff you can hope to be a whole lot of stuff but the bible says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks that what we say on a consistent basis is actually a true reflection of what we believe about god what we believe about ourselves what we believe about the situation that we find ourselves in god says be found speaking his word when we speak the word of god we're speaking to a number of different people you say well, what do I, what do you mean by that let me explain that for a moment when we re- speak the word of God, firstly, we're speaking to ourselves. One of the, the people that we need to speak the word of God to the most is ourselves. Remember that King David would, would say, why are you downcast on my soul? In other words, he wouldn't just let life just happen. He would take control and say, do you know what? I'm going to speak God's word into my being. And, and he would say things like, bless the Lord on my soul. Forget not his benefits. He is the God who heals all of my diseases. He is the God who has forgiven all of my sins. And he begins to speak the, the, the life-giving word of God over his life. We speak it to ourselves. Another person we speak it to is God. Now, not because God's forgotten what he's written, not because God needs reminding, but because when we speak the word of God, we're saying, God, I agree with what you have spoken over my life. I'm coming into alignment in faith with what you have spoken. I agree. I I know it may not look that way. I know it may not feel that way, but I know that your word is truth over my life. So we speak it to ourselves. We speak it to God. When we speak the word of God, we're declaring it to Satan. Listen, we have an enemy, okay? Whether what your opinion is on that, we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy who will stop at nothing to take you from the goodness of God. And when the enemy comes against you, can I encourage you, don't debate with him. Don't say, oh, is, really? Do you really think that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Don't debate with him. But use the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit that God has given to you, the truth of God's Word. Let, let me give you a few practical examples. When fear comes your way, 
And again, we need to have faith attached to this. It's not just empty rhetoric. When fear comes your way, we can either put up with that fear or we can like Jesus. Remember, Jesus was in the desert and he was tempted by the enemy and three times he responded, it is written. In other words, this is God's truth. And he quoted three times from the book of Deuteronomy. It is written. He didn't put up with what the enemy was trying to speak into his life. So when fear comes to your doorway, 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. When the enemy comes, you, you'll never achieve. You'll always be this way. You're never going to manage to do this or that, whatever it is in your life. Philippians 4 verse 13, again, classic verse. I'm just using classic verses so you know what I'm talking about in this moment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the enemy comes with fear of lack, whether that be emotionally, whether that be in friendships, whether that be financially, whatever it might be. No, no, no. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, My God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we begin to use the word of God as the sword of the spirit. We don't put up with what the enemy speaks over us, but we take the word of God and we use it. Now, as I said relationship and faith have to be an aspect of us otherwise we're just repeating like you know parrots and rhetoric and we're just saying words just because we've heard them and they carry no power but when we understand faith when we have relationship with God we can use his word as the sword of the spirit so here's some uh, an action point for you I want you to go and find some verses and you can get somebody to help you if needed that are relevant to whatever situation you are facing right now. Not, not a season that was yesterday, a season that you're in right now that you know there are lies coming against you, you know there's discouragement coming. And I want to encourage you to get that word, whatever it might be, those verses, and to begin to speak them out, to begin to learn them. As I said, you know, faith has to be a part of this. I'm not talking about just saying words just for the sake of it. Faith and relationship has to be a part of this. But what is your current confession? What are the words that more often than not you're currently saying? Are they words of anger? Are they words of negativity? Are they words of, of how life has beaten you? God says get into the word and change your speaking to line up with his truth. So don't let it depart from your mouth. Next thing Joshua says is this. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. So what do we mean when we're talking about meditation? It doesn't mean to go sit in a corner and cross your legs and hum kumbaya or anything like that. It's talking about something far deeper than that. In fact, the actual word when it talks about meditation, it carries this connotations of, of murmuring and muttering. So again, it's that thought of speaking and reminding yourself of the goodness of God. It also carries this, this context of thinking and chewing over and taking the word of God and allow it to go deeper in your life. So when you read, it doesn't mean you read, oh, I've done my daily readings, close the book, get on with your life. But actually, you say, Holy Spirit, I want you to teach me through what it is that I am reading. Let me give you a couple of examples. Again, just simple illustrations so that you understand how this works. You maybe read The Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. And you could close your Bible, get on with your day, and till the next time you open up your Bible. Or else you could say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me through this simple parable that Jesus told? Am I somebody who responds to need or goes out of my way to avoid need? Am I somebody who's uncomfortable with need? Am I, and, and you begin to, throughout the day, be praying, and I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will give you the opportunity for that to be tested. Because all of a sudden you'll encounter need, and you'll think, oh, 
I remember while I was reading this morning, there's an opportunity to put into practice what it is that you've been reading. It may be that you read, I don't know, a classic love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, the agape love of God. Now you could close the Bible and say, oh, that, that was nice. Or else you can pray, Holy Spirit, this today, I, I want you to challenge me. I, I want to go deeper. I, I want to be displaying that kind of love. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to see how you respond to people. That irritating boss at work, that neighbor, your spouse, your children, that, that friend that you have. You'll begin to see how you respond. And the Holy Spirit will, will help you to question, am I responding in the way God would have me respond in this situation? So here's your action point for this. Before you read, Pray. After you've read, guess what? Pray. And actually, don't just read the Bible as just some historical text, but understand it's the living word of God. God wants to speak into your situation and into your life through what you are about to read. Think about what you've read. For some of you, you may want a journal. I am not somebody who does very well with journals. I thought, oh, that's a very spiritual thing. I'm going to start journaling. I do one day and then forget about it. And four months later, oh, yeah, I forgot I was going to start journaling. But for you... That maybe will really help you in your understanding of the Word of God and your outworking of the Word of God. So we speak the Word of God. We meditate on the Word of God. And then here's the big one. Be careful to do everything written within it. We do the Word of God. This is so important because some of you have been reading God's Word for years and yet you're not seeing any change in a certain aspect or situation of your life. Maybe, just maybe, it's because we've read a whole lot, but we haven't done a whole lot of what the Word is telling us. See, you can know a lot. You can know all the verses, know where they are, know the Old and New Testament, the Old and New Covenants. You can know all the, all the stuff about the Bible, but unless you're actually doing it, it won't make a scrap of difference in your life. You can know all the verses that there are to know about forgiveness. You can know every single verse on forgiveness, but if you don't put it into practice in your life, guess what? You'll still be in the grip of unforgiveness. You'll still be bitter, and yet you'll be saying, well, God's word says this. Listen, unless we're willing to put the word of God into action, it will make no difference in our life. I sometimes say with people that I'm mentoring and, and talking with, I say, do you know what? Reading the Bible won't change your life. And you say, ah. Pastor just said reading the Bible won't change it. Sacrilege, burn him at the stake. But it's true. Reading the Bible won't change your life. Doing something about what you read will change your life 100%. We can read and have a whole lot of knowledge, but unless we're willing to put into action what we read, then it won't make a difference. Now listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 verse 24 to 27. You're still all with me this morning, yeah? I know it's warm in here. We're heading there. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says this. Jesus is speaking. He's just finished his Sermon on the Mount. And he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears, and obviously today our context would often be everyone who reads the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, if you went to kids' church or Sunday school when you were growing up, there's a song that's coming into your head now, the wise man bit. If you didn't, you're like, what on earth is he going on about? So let's continue. It says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So here's Jesus speaking. He's just taught this revolutionary message on the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. You can read it there. And he's almost saying in this moment, thanks for being here. Now, before you go, you've heard all these words of mine. Unless you put them into practice, it won't make a scrap of difference in your life. If you don't put them into practice, you're like this foolish person building their life like a house. And Jesus didn't say there was anything wrong about how the house looked the house maybe have been a very well put together house so you can have a life that looks so good on the outside it looks like you've got it all together it looks like you've got all the wisdom of God but he says when the storms come remember this is the same Jesus who said in this world you will have trouble there will be storms how many of you have been through a storm at one season or another in your life just give me a show of hands if you haven't, then I want to know your secret, right? Because if you're not in a storm right now, chances are I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just being real with what Jesus said. There is a storm that's coming. There will be a storm in our future. There's a storms that we've been through. There's storms that are coming. But, but Jesus said those storms will come and the winds will blow and the rain will come. And if our life isn't built on the words of Jesus Christ, if we have not put them into practice, then though it may look good on the outside, you can have extensions, loft extensions, though your life may look like it's blossoming on the outside, it will crash and fall if we don't put the word of God into action. Jesus knew, I reckon, in that moment, there were people in the Sermon on the Mount, oh yeah, that's good, Jesus, not in a way. Obviously, you had the religious who were really upset, but there would have been others who think, this is brilliant, this is so revolutionary, and yet he knew that some of those would go back to living life exactly as they were. Just like we can come and we can gather and hear the word of God, and we can open up our Bible and read his life-giving words and think, wow, that's, that's revolutionary, it should revolutionize the way that we live, and yet we go back to how we were. And Jesus says it's pointless. We're kidding ourselves if we think it's going to make a difference in our lives if we're just going through religious moments. He says, put it into practice. Apply the word of God. Do the word of God. Listen to those verses from the message paraphrase. Verse 26 says, But if you, use my, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. It's not enough to read. We need to do. Let me just say this. Sometimes we don't need another message. Sometimes we don't need another podcast. Sometimes we don't need to come out for more prayer. Sometimes we don't need to go to another Christian conference, even though there's nothing wrong with any of the things that I've just talked about. But sometimes we're doing those things in place of actually just doing what God has already spoken. Sometimes we're avoiding just getting on with what God has already spoken in his word to us. A few decades later, James, the brother of Jesus, is writing to some Christians, and he spoke along the same lines. He puts it this way, James 1, 22 to 23. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. James says, don't just listen, again, for us that would be read, but do. And he kind of goes on as if to say, let me explain to you. Verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. 
You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. James is practically saying to look in God's word and to realize that something needs to change in your marriage, in your thoughts, in your attitude, in the way you are in the workplace, in the way you're bringing up your kids, in the way you're handling your finances, to realize something needs to change and then not do anything about it is like, I don't know, getting up this morning, walking into the bathroom. How many of you have looked in the mirror today? And those who didn't raise your hands, we know. No, it's just a joke. Everyone, it'd be like getting up this morning and just walking into the bathroom or this, uh, t- tomorrow, Monday morning, waking up, going into the bathroom, seeing your bed hair, maybe yours isn't as bad, but seeing your bed hair everywhere, sleep in your eyes, you've still got last night's takeaway, and I don't know, and you, and you look and you go, all right, and you walk off and go to, ch- uh, go to church, go to work in that moment. You wouldn't do that. Why is it? that we do something about our face, but we so often don't do anything about our life. James says we'll look in a natural mirror and we'll do something about what we see, but so often we'll look in the Word of God, the spiritual mirror of our lives, and we'll do nothing about what we read. This afternoon, if you went home and you had, I don't know, a salad or a sandwich or ate something, and you then went looked in the mirror and you saw a mayonnaise stain, for example. Wouldn't it be a bit weird if five years later you still had that mayonnaise stain in your face and everyone was like trying to... Uh, just, uh, just, uh, and it, Why is everyone doing it? For the last five years, everyone's been pointing... It'd be ridiculous, yet so often we read the same bit of scripture for years about forgiveness, about changing the way we think, about how we should be towards other people about believing in what Jesus has done for us we read those things over and over again and yet we've not seen a difference maybe because we haven't applied what Jesus has spoken listen let, let, let me just say to you if you're new to church if you're new to this relationship Jesus isn't being hard on you in this moment in fact Jesus isn't being hard on any of us in what he's saying here neither is James but they're both giving out this heart cry, would you stop kidding yourself that reading the Bible is going to change our lives unless we're actually willing to put into practice the wisdom of God. So here's the action point, just as we bring this in for landing. Let's apply the Word of God. Whenever you read the Bible, I want you, especially in this series, to find something that you can apply. Now again, let me just underline, that doesn't always mean doing something that may be believing something. So it may be that you read the Word of God, and it's not so much about an action, but it's about a belief that you see the Word of God, and it says, you know, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't feel that way. No, no, are you going to accept the Word of God over your life? There's now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. He has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you. Are you going to believe what God is speaking The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the end of this week. I don't know whether you're going to provide, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. No, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are we going to believe the words, or are we just going to keep using them in Bible studies? Hearing them on a Sunday morning. Again, I'm not saying any of this from a place of condemnation. I'm saying it from a place of, come on, what if we took the word of God seriously in our life and started to use his wisdom. 
This message hits us in, in different places and I want to acknowledge that for some of you, this is about starting somewhere. As I said, if you don't own a Bible, come and speak to us. We want to place a Bible in your life. It will change your life, reading and applying the Word of God. Maybe you've got a Bible, but you don't have a, an interaction with it. I want to encourage you, begin maybe five minutes of your day. If you're not reading the Bible at all, begin five minutes of your day. You say, well, that's not very much. No, five minutes will lead to more, I guarantee you. But make that space and begin to read the Word of God. Begin to see what God is doing and you will get hungry. Stick with it. People say it takes 21 days to form a habit. As you form the greatest habit of your life, you will see what God does in your life. And listen, if you read the Bible, you say, I don't understand it. There are people here who can help you and journey with you as you read the Word of God. Others of you, you're reading every day, but it's not doing anything. And I want you to break out some religious mindsets. I want you to begin to personalize that time. You're wired differently to me. You're, I'm wired differently to Kirsty. Each of us are wired differently in how we relate to God and use His Word. So for some of you, you need to get a journal. For some of you, you need to start writing notes in your Bible. It's okay, you won't be struck by lightning. It's okay. Write notes in your Bible. Scribble what you believe God is saying to you in that moment. Commit verses to memory. Why is it? But we get kids to memorize the Bible, and as adults, we don't do it. Commit verses to memory. Invest in the Word. We invest in cars, we invest in hobbies. But what about actually investing into the Word and getting different books that will help us to understand more of who God is? Get a reading plan and don't just read it from such. And then, as we do all of that, and we choose to speak the word and think the word and most importantly do the word, we will grow our walk with God and I promise you, our lives will change. We'll share more on this in coming weeks. But when we apply the word of God, we're going to get different people to share as they've applied God's word in this area, the fruit that's come out of it. Just think with me for a moment. What if we made the word of God central to our lives? What if we took his wisdom seriously, applied it into our lives and our experience of life. What could it do for our relationships? What could it do for our outlook on life? What could it do in, in our careers and our sense of purpose and our parenting and our friendships and our finances? The Word of God is living, it's active, it's dynamic, it's not a historical textbook that's been and gone. It is the living Word of God for your life today. So I'm excited for what God's going to do in this series as we begin to look at everyday things of life but before that let's be people who actually pick up the word of God don't be scared by it it's God's word to you and let's begin to apply the word into our life let's just pray as we close the service this morning I'm just going to invite each of you to just close your eyes in this moment and before we just kind of seal this morning and just pray over this specific word I want to give an opportunity this morning for anybody in this place who's never made a commitment to Jesus Christ you don't know where you are at with God you you've heard me talk about the Bible listen the author of this Bible made you created you has a plan and a purpose for your life loves you and sent his son to die for you and so what we want to do this morning is give you an opportunity to begin an introduction that's what all this is it's just a first step to saying listen I need Jesus in my life I don't exactly know exactly what that means, but I know I need Jesus in my life. I want to know more about this Jesus. 
And so we're going to provide that opportunity for you today. We're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to encourage everybody to pray this prayer together. Just repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you created me and want a relationship with me. I know that sin has got in the way of that relationship. But I believe that Jesus died for my sin. Took it away and that I can become a new person today. Please forgive my past. I want to give you my future. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. And if that's you, then here's one simple thing I want you to do in this moment. There's this moment of commitment. I want you, just in your heart, to just say, Jesus, that's me. Jesus, that's me in this moment. Jesus, that's me. And you know whether you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether for the very first time or you're coming back into relationship with God. Jesus, I meant it. And here's what I want you to do. At the end of this service, at the back of the room, there's a, a man named Mark. And I want you to go to Mark at the end of the service and just say, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. And he's just going to give you some literature and help you as you take your first steps we're so excited if that's you today and you've made that decision and we want to help you on the journey of discovering more of God and his word and who he is to you the heavenly father I just thank you for this morning thank you for the kids I thank you for the opportunity to be together and Lord I thank you for your word Lord I pray that you Holy Spirit would take what I've shared and you would just encourage people throughout the week concerning their relationship with their Bible. And Lord, that we would, beginning this week, just get into the Word of God more and it would make a difference to our life. Help us to use the sword of the Spirit as you've called us to use it. And I thank you for all the fruit and, and all the life change that we're going to see as a result of spending time in your Word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just help people who have struggled with the Bible before, that they would read things today and this coming week that would make sense like it's never made sense before. You are our teacher, Holy Spirit. Do what we can't do and teach us what you are saying through your word. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.